Thank you for tuning in. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is to be abased and to abound. To be abased and to abound. Let me tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. It reads this. Not that I speak of need. Because I have experienced, I have learned that in whatever state I'm in, to be content. He hasn't always been this way. He learned to be content. He goes on to say, everywhere I go. And in everything I do, I have learned to be abased and I have learned to abound. And then he says this, I know how to experience these moments. I know what it's like to be full and I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to abase, and I know what it's like to be in need. And then there's the scripture that you all know. However, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's saying two things. He's saying, number one, I have learned to be abased. I have learned to live when nothing is going good. But I have also learned to abound. I have learned to live when things are going very well. You had to learn how to do that. So I'm going to talk about those two things. I'm going to talk about being a base. I'm going to talk about being a bound. I'm going to talk about being a bound first. Because not a lot of people know how to live life when it's going well. There was a family in our church many years ago. He'd come in every single week and he'd say, I need you to pray for me. I need a job. I have children. I have a wife. I have a family. Pray that I get a job. And he would pray. He would say, God, help me. And I would pray for him. God, help me. All of a sudden, he got a contract that blew my mind. It was so big. He went from poor to extremely wealthy in a week. I never saw him again. He was on vacation every single weekend. He was on vacation more than he wasn't on vacation. I mean, he was loaded. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he know how to abound? When God was listening to him worship, God, I need you, I need you. And now all of a sudden, he's completely gone. And you may say, well, you can worship God anywhere. Yes and no. There's the sovereign presence of God. And there's the manifest presence of God. The sovereign presence is what God is everywhere. That's true. The manifest presence is when he says, here, I will meet with my people. 
In Psalms 26, verse 8, it says this, I love the sanctuary of the Lord because it's where his presence dwells. He's saying, I will meet with my people in my sanctuary. You're going to experience me here. All of a sudden, he's gone. Let me ask you a question. Do you think his relationship with God was closer when he was in need or closer whenever he was abounding? You know the question. You know the answer. He was closer when he was in need. When you are abounding and things are going well, one of the things we have to be remind we have to remember to be thankful. Why? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says this, Beware. There is an adversary prowling around like a lion, and he's seeking who he can devour. I have two dogs. One dog is about this big. It's fully grown. It's worth nothing. <laughs> it's like a puff ball. What do you call those things? Cotton balls. It's like a cotton ball. It just moves around. We bought it for our seven-year-old so she can pick it up, put it down. It, the, the dog hates the seven-year-old, but <laughs> she loves it. We have another dog. It's about this big, the size of a cocker spaniel. He's a hunter. He has brought, <laughs> he has brought squirrels to the back door, hanging out of his mouth, so excited to show me the squirrel. I'm looking at him. I see blood from the squirrel in his mouth, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do right now? He's like... <laughs> I'm like, good dog, good dog. Do you know that your dog loves you more than anyone else in the world? How many of you have a dog? Raise your hand. Your dog loves you more than, think of the person who you think loves you the most. If you take that person, your mother, your wife, throw her in the car, in the trunk of the car. Ma, get in there. And throw your dog in the car. Both of you. Push them both in there. Walk away for about three hours and come back. Open up the trunk. Who's happy to see you? Who's happy? That dog comes out. When you walk through the doors. You're home. You're home. He's home. She's home. Your dog loves you. But this particular, that was just for free. My, my dog, when he grabs a, a squirrel or he'll grab a snake or whatever, what he does is he grabs it and he shakes it like this. He shakes it and he throws it down. Then he grabs it and he shakes it again and he throws it down. You can't teach a dog that. Dogs know how to do that. Dogs that hunt know how to hunt. That dog can hunt. They know how to do it. It's in them. It's in them to grab it and kill it. Can I tell you, Satan, that's all he knows. It's in him. He will come into your life it, it, so like a, like a lion, just kind of coming real slow. He will grab a part of your life and just shake it, shake it, and then let go. It's still alive. Grab it, shake it again. Let go, grab, shake it again, and pieces of our life just fall down like, a, like broken ice. <laughs> this is how he works. He's creeped into my life, shook it. He's creeped into your life, shook it. 
So when we are abounding, we ought to back up and say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for putting a hedge of protection around me. Thank you for putting a hedge of protection around my house. Thank you for putting a hedge around my children. If God had, if this Satan had his way, your child would have died before it lived. Your child would die at one years old, two years old. If Satan had his way, you wouldn't even be here right now. It would grab every part of your life. Satan was in the presence of God. Jesus looked at him and said, do you want to try to shake my servant Job? And he says, I can't. You have a hedge of protection around him. I can't get to him. When things are going well, you ought to back up and say, thank you for that hedge. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a, be thankful. Then be generous. It's funny to me, people who have recipes... How, how come you're the only one that's allowed to know how to make that sweet potato pie that everybody loves? You won't share the recipe. I've, I've got friends, and some of you are in this room. You won't tell anybody how you barbecue that brisket. You're going to die with it. Let's be generous. Generous. There's people in this world that don't need your money. They need your time. They want you to sit down and spend time with them. Hold them. Cry with them. But let's just jump over to being abased. When things are not going well. When God looked at Satan, he says, okay. I'll lift up the hedge of protection. I'll let you provoke him. I'll let you attack him. And I'm going to prove to you that he, that she loves me, whether good things are happening or not. Amen. Go ahead. And there are times where that hedge of protection gets lifted up. It got lifted up in my family about six or seven months ago. My wife was in bed for three months straight. She'd stand up and have vertigo. She'd lay down and she would feel like her heart was racing up 160 beats a, a, a second, like a minute. We took her to every single doctor in the city. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like, you went to school for 15 years. You get paid a half a million dollars a year. You're not allowed to say, I don't know. I'm allowed to say, I don't know. You're not allowed to say, I don't know. Have you ever been there? Say yes. It's like, are you kidding me right now? You don't, you're not allowed. So they said, I don't know anyway. Obviously, I don't care what I say. We bring her back. She's laying in bed. Now, if you call me up and say, hey, Frankie, the board of the church just gave you a raise. Do you think I would really care? My wife is in bed and she's sick and I don't know what to do. Because money doesn't answer everything. Now, what do you do? I know how to be abased. I'm sorry, I know how to abound. I know how to be thankful. I know how to be generous. But now, sometimes we go through battles that we'll tell other people. And then there's other battles that are so hard. You don't tell a soul. Some of you that are single in the room, you may think to yourself, 
I wish I was married so at least I could go through this trouble with someone. Let me tell you a secret. That's all the married people laughing. Let me tell you a secret. There are certain problems and struggles and challenges and fears and insecurities you don't even tell your spouse. You say, that's not big, biblical. Preach that to somebody else. I'm just telling you what life is like. How do I deal with that? How to be abased. See, you will never know how much you trust God when God is all you got. When God is all you got, then you find out Everything depends on who you depend on. If you are depending on yourself, your ingenuity, your charisma, your smarts, your money, your relationships, if that's what you are depending on, you're in trouble. Here I am, a few months ago. I come walking into my office, I shut the lights off, I put whatever in my ears so all I can hear is like white noise and I close my eyes and I envision Jesus's face I close my eyes and I quote this scripture it's in Psalms 5 3 it says every morning I wake up I'll be back at it again laying the pieces of my life the pieces the pieces because it's already been shaken to death the pieces this is all I got left The pieces of my life on your altar and I'm going to wait for the fire to fall. I'm going to wait for you to touch it. I'm going to wait for you to bless it. But remember the first part of the verse. Every morning I wake up. This is morning one. See, if you don't learn to pray in the middle of the battle, you will learn to live in defeat. Have you ever met a person that's in perpetual devastation? If it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not the job, then it's the family. If it's not the family, then it's the health. And if it's not the health, it's this. If it's not the daughter, it's the son. If it's not the son, it's the daughter. They're in perpetual devastation. If you don't learn to pray in the middle of the battle, and I say learn to pray because there are certain prayers you cannot pray the way you pray for your waffles in the morning. You can say, thank you, Lord, so much for the waffles. Blessed unto my body as if an angel is going to come. Hey, these waffles are now healthy. (laughs) I'm going to bless it unto your body. Eat all the waffles you want. It's blessed unto your body. We're just blessed unto When you're going through hell, you can't pray that way. If nobody's ever told you that before, you're going to hear it now. You can't pray that way. You have to recognize you are in the middle of a battle fighting for your life. You have to pray like your life depends on it because it probably does. Dear God, I am coming to your throne right now. This is me in my office. I'm coming to your throne right now. I need you to heal my wife. I need you to heal my wife. Now, just three weeks earlier, a gentleman comes down here and asks for prayer. 
He's blind. I laid my hands on him and said, in the name of Jesus, eyes open, perfect sight, while my wife can't get out of bed. That morning, people got healed all the way across. I think seven out of ten people got healed. I felt the vertebrae under my fingers move on some people's back. My wife is at home and sick. Have you ever been there? Everybody's getting blessed. I'm happy for you, happy for you, happy for you, happy. What in the world? Stop making stars. Stop making planets. I need a miracle. Have you ever been there? Say yes. Help me. Help me. If you clap and shout every once in a while, you'll encourage me and I'll preach shorter. Don't clap. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Here I am. God. I am coming into your presence and I need you. James 5, 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If fervency is what you like, then fervency is what you're going to get. I need you. There has to be another gear in your prayer life. Abounding. Anyone can worship God when the birds are chirping and the sun is out. But when you're abased, can you worship God when you are walking through hell? Are you with me? You got to know. The way I pray when I am abounding is not the, pray, the way I pray when I'm abased. See, when you're abased, something in your life is driving you absolutely crazy. God, you were using me six months ago. Now you're not using me at all. I've prayed for people before and they get healed. And then two weeks praying for people, nobody gets healed. I'm like, what in the world? What's going on? Dear God, the next day, I'm back at it again. Yes, this is my voice again in your presence. I'm back at it again. I'm back at it again. I'm back at it again. Jesus, you're all I got. You're all I got. Where else am I going to go? Who am I going to call? There's nobody to call. You're all I got. The relationship that's developed in the battle is a relationship with intimacy that cannot be developed anywhere else. Anywhere else? Coming home, the kids already know mom's sick. They don't ask if mom's sick. They already know she's sick. They just know. Dear God, I'm back at it again. I'm back at it again. Isaiah 62 verse 6 says this. Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest. Don't rest. And give God no rest until he completes his work. When you're done praying... And you are abased, start over. 
I've told God, I can't stop praying. There's too much on the line. There's too much on the line. Let me tell you a secret of how to navigate being abased. And this secret, you already know, it's in the depths of everyone's soul. It's in their soul. My senior year, when I turned around and looked at Sean, my closest friend, and said, you're never going to see me again. And I never saw him again. I never saw anyone in my senior class again. Today was the first day when Josh came walking through the door. 20 years. I knew there was something in here and I had to figure out what it was because everything this life had to offer me, I experienced it. I've been to every single party you could go to in high school and come home at three in the morning all sweaty, all sweaty and take my boots off. And I said out loud one night, Talking to the world, in the bed, by myself. Is that all you got? Like, that's the best you got? It's a depressing feeling when you feel like you have no hope. The marriage is never going to get better. The kids are never going to get better. You're not going to get a better job. You're stuck. You're stuck. I don't know if that's in the, in the King James Version, but it's in the Frankie International Version. Stuck! You're stuck! Have you ever been stuck before? Say yes. You're stuck! Every morning, I'm back at it again. I'm back at it again. I'm back at it again. We were stuck. I was stuck. A few years ago, when I said, God, I'm stuck tired of preaching sermons. I want to see your presence. If you're really there, my goodness, these people are in need. Do something. Every morning, I'll be back at it again. I walk through the door one day. Allie's cooking. Pasta. God was in the air. She's cooking pasta. What are you doing? I just felt like getting up. You ever not want to jinx it? <laughs> right? You're like, cool. You want me to do it? Good. Yeah. I'm just going to go help Kate with the homework. Good, because she's out of addition and I'm stuck. <laughs> just one day. Psalms 56, 9. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every morning you wake up, you're back at it again. The tide of the battle turns. 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 You can't see it. But if you have learned to live while being abased, then you have learned that every time you pray, something is shifting. Something's shifting. And you know what I've learned? That the result that I'm asking for may not 
happen exactly the way I'm hoping for. But one thing's for sure. Hell will fear me a little bit more. Hell will fear me. I was, I was, I was talking to this guy one time. I was, and, and over the phone, all of a sudden, his voice changes. Never heard this in my life. His voice changes, and all of a sudden, it turns into like a gargle. And he goes, hey, preacher man, I know who you are. And I felt my skin crawl. I was like, look, I got to get a phone. I hung up the phone. I'm like. (laughs) After I calmed down, I said to myself, yeah, you know who I am. I'm, I'm the one that wakes up every single morning and calls on God. I'm the one that when I feel like I'm a million miles away, I still call on God. I'm the one when all my life falls apart, I'm still calling on God. Yeah, you know who I am. You know who I am. You know who I am. I want to tell you, when you go through an abased season and you've been calling on God, You're not the same person when you come out. You got fire in your veins. You got thunder in your soul. There's a different look in your eye. If you've ever been through a divorce, you know what I'm talking about. It didn't end the way you wanted it to end, but your shoulders back, they're back. Are you with me? If you're a fought for someone's life, have you ever prayed for your kids deeper and more passionately than you've ever prayed for yourself? Every single one of those battles. Some of those battles you won and you can't even remember they existed because God just made it boom, boom. It happened so fast you're on to the next battle you forgot to celebrate it. And now, now, there's something in your eye. You're a little tougher, you're a little leaner. And when you pray, hell trembles. I could feel before service, I could feel like a chill bump on my arm. I knew it was the presence of God. And I thought, man, something is about to go down today. Because I'm not coming to you with a script. You go through hell a few times, your script gets burnt. (laughs) Are you with me? Has anyone's script ever got burnt? Like this wasn't plan A. This wasn't plan A. And then all of a sudden you back up and you go, but I think I'm liking what God's doing. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm liking what he's doing. I can feel it in my veins. Have you ever felt that? You can feel it in your veins. Let me tell you God's plan for your life. Some of you are like, you don't even know me. I know. Let me tell you God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is to walk with you just like he walked with Adam and Eve. The world is still a garden. To walk with you through this garden. Moses said this, Exodus 33, 13. If I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may enjoy you more fully. 
you walk with him to where you know his ways. Have you ever known somebody so well, you know what they're thinking before they say it? You're like, I know what you're thinking. You're walking with him so much, you can feel what he wants to do. And then John 14, 12 applies to you. When Jesus said, the things that I have done, you will do also. In other words, you're going to walk with me. You're going to talk with me. You're going to know my thoughts. I'm going to know your thoughts. And what I want to do around you, I'm going to do it through you. When someone's sick, I want to be the one to pray. Like I elbow people. No, I'm going to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. But people who have seen miracles, they're like elbowing me out of the way. No, I want to pray. Our prayer partners are some of the selfish people you've ever met in your life. they, They want to pray for everybody. Because when you see a miracle, you get addicted to it. That's God's plan for your life. Sometimes it'll be with a word. Sometimes it'll be an expression. Sometimes it'll be a prayer. Sometimes you'll just walk into a room and the atmosphere changes. That's God's plan for your life. But when that starts happening on a regular basis, and I'm going to show you a video in just a second, these are the things that happen. So I'm not distracting you. Why don't you guys go ahead and bring those blinds down for me. For those of you that are new, three and a half years ago, I was interviewing a lady who had a non-for-profit organization called Elijah Rising. Right here on the stage, she went into a full cardiac arrest Blood's coming out of her nose, out of her mouth. I'm holding her head. Paramedics came. She was dead. I had blood in my fingers for the second service. It happened in the first. All the saints back there, all the church, they had to leave the sanctuary and go pray in the lobby. The paramedics didn't want anybody in the room. After she was dead, full cardiac arrest, No brain, no breathing, no heart. Something like 12, 13, maybe 15 minutes. They start putting all their stuff back. She comes back to life. All of a sudden, her heart, she still wasn't breathing, still had no brain activity. The next day, she's... I go to the hospital to visit her. She's eating pudding, and she says, I'm sorry I messed up your service, dude. Perfectly well. Ever since that day, something happened. And the testimony I'm about to show you, if you come back next week, you'll see another testimony. You come back next week, you'll see another testimony. You go on YouTube and you go back 26 weeks, 46 weeks, 56 weeks, you'll see testimony after testimony after testimony. Ever since that day. And God's going to do more today. Take a look at this. 
I was actually uh, in the service, and it was a pretty unusual Sunday because we basically come on the second service. We ended up coming on the first service with my daughter. And as the pastor was actually finishing the service, he started calling people to go for prayer, people that had, you know, like very tiny faith and, and basically myself. But then when he was just going through the whole thing, I remember seeing the pastor just covering his eyes and he said, somebody here that bursted his right eye, I don't know what came over me. I just jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I just started walking. But the pastor, he did not even actually uh, finish yet. I was already in the front. As I was walking, uh, my eye is just basically not been able to see because I couldn't see at first. My right eye was just basically messed up. And all of a sudden I could see, I'm like, no way. I cannot believe I'm here uh, at the front now. What is Pastor Frankie going to say? By the time the Pastor Frankie was finishing calling everybody, he came down and he says, can you please remind me what it was I was sweating and I was shaking and I said it was my right eye and I made sure to say it was my right eye and he said well I don't know but I feel like you were healed as you were walking <laughs> as you were walking towards me I feel I felt like you were being here and my jaw dropped I was like that's what it was I could not believe that's exactly what happened I looked at him and I said pastor I believe I was here. And I even did this just in case it's like, I don't see it anymore. So it, it's been crazy to say the least, but basically I have been healed from my seat getting to the front of the uh, stage. The fact that God can do this as well for me. Now my faith obviously could be a radical faith at this point, because if it happened to me, it definitely can happen to somebody else for sure. <laughs> There's a reason why we always share a testimony at this part of the service. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you talk about something that Jesus did, you're actually talking about what Jesus is about to do again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we always share a testimony of someone being healed because we're saying two things at the same time. Look what God just did. Watch what God's about to do. If you're in this room, let me ask you a question if you're new here, even if you've been here. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, Do you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, before you leave this room, I want you to whisper to God, I am sorry for my sins. From this moment forward, I'm pursuing you. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. And if you would just raise your hands like this. <clears throat> I want you to put your mind's attention. Anytime you pray, one of the, one, a, a good practice is just to begin to visualize his face. In John chapter, in, in the book of John, Jesus did six miracles. 
But all six of the miracles, the person had to do something in order to receive the miracle. He looked at a guy who couldn't walk and he said, stand up and grab your mat and walk. If the guy was laying there, he's like, I don't want to stand up. I don't want to grab my mat. He put mud on a guy's eyes and he said, go down to that pool and wash it out. If he would have said, would you put mud in my eyes for, picked up mud and threw it back, he wouldn't have been healed. I can go on and on throughout the entire book of John. My point is, is that through the entire book, an action was required by the person to receive the miracle. The interesting thing about God is I don't know what he's doing. I can't see him. He is the atmosphere. I can't see him. So he could be touching you and I have no idea. But if he is touching you in particular, I want you to do something. I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to come stand right down here. If he's touching you physically, I've talked to people that started feeling tingling. I felt one time my hands started tingling in my hands. If you start feeling a tingling on your body, I want you to come down. Those of you that are new to this, if the power of God is touching a person, wouldn't there be a reaction? If you find yourself getting emotional, I want you to come down. If you start feeling hot or cold, I want you to come down. This is God touching you. If you feel a chill, I want you to touch. I want you to come down. If you want God to touch you, don't come down. Only the people that feel it. Some of you are just going to get healed. Just, I talked to someone last week. They could not see without their glasses. At this part of the service, their head was down, their eyes were closed. All of a sudden, they looked up and they looked at me and they could see me clear as day, 20-20 vision. They were in the back of the sanctuary. It, you know if you've been healed. You can feel cancer leave your body. You know. If any of those things happen to you, I want you to come walk out of here and just come stand down here. Why? Um, when you react to what God has done, you can expect more of the same. With your hands out like this, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to start healing people and start touching people. And if you feel that brush of the Holy Spirit touch you, don't say, God, do it again. Just move. your eyes closed people are already coming down come down as close as you can come down as close as you can if you're already getting emotional before I pray that means the Holy Spirit is touching you before I've even started praying Get, come down as close as you can don't stand in the back the Holy Spirit's moving and I haven't even started praying yet. Just come down as close as you can. 
there's more of the same. Whatever he's doing in you, there's more of the same. Just move. You didn't come to church to hear somebody speak. You came to church to experience God. When he touches you, when you feel it, come close, come close, come close. The only thing I ask is if you get healed today, if you get healed today, that you email the church and tell us about it. That's all I ask. Holy Spirit, keep moving. He's ahead of me. He's ahead of me by like five minutes right now. I'm trying to catch up to him. He's moving. Just close your eyes. Put your attention on him. If you're already down here, just put your attention on him. More of the same. If you don't know what to do, just imagine his face. That's all I want you to do. I don't even want you to pray. I just want you to imagine his face. Now let me pray. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your presence is moving in this room. Now continue to move in Jesus' name right now, right now, right now. Let your spirit grace pass their face. Let your spirit grace pass their face. Cause the hair on their body to stand up. In the name of Jesus, begin to tremble their soul. God, let your presence be known. believe his healing virtue is moving in this room. If there's something that you couldn't do before 10 minutes ago, you couldn't see good out of one eye, you couldn't hear good out of one ear, I want you to start testing it. If you have arthritis in your hand, if you couldn't move your elbow, if your your knee locked up, whose knee locks up in this room? Whose knee locks up? Raise your hand. I feel like the Lord wants to heal you right now. Your right knee, your right knee locks up. Where are you? Raise your hand. Your right knee locks up. Is it you? Come down here. In the name of Jesus. Your right jaw, who is it? Your right jaw. It's almost like you, uh, they call it a street term, lock jaw. You can't open your mouth all the way. Who are you? Where are you at? Where are you? Where are you? Right here. Come here. God's going to heal you. Start opening up your mouth. In the name of Jesus. Hands raised. Hands raised. He's going to do more than I can think. He's going he's to move faster than I can think. I just got to let him go. In the name of Jesus, put your mind's attention on him. Just put your mind's attention on him. He's going to move faster than I can talk. In the name of Jesus. You don't even have to pray. Just put your attention on them. In Jesus' name.
Lord, we love you. With your hands raised in the room, you didn't come here to play church. You came here to experience God. And I'm with you. I don't even want to be here if we're not going to experience God. With your hands raised in this room, there's going to be no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But I just want you to sing some slow song that we know.